Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hey, American Hauntings fans, it's Troy. You may have heard we have another podcast in addition to this one. But if you've heard and you're not subscribed to it yet, you've got to stop stalling and do it. Our other podcast is called Sinister, and it delves into the life and crimes of H.H. Holmes, the serial killer, swindler, builder of the murder castle, and the villain of the 1893 World's Fair. We're currently working on episode seven, and we're just getting started when it comes to Holmes' most depraved crimes and most devious murders. If you want to discover the most complete true story of H.H. Holmes I've ever written, become a Patreon supporter and get that podcast every other week at patreon.com slash American Hauntings. And now, on with the show. Have you checked the children? Most of us have seen the movie, and even more of us uh, told the story when we were kids. Often sitting with our friends around a campfire at a slumber party, or huddled around a flashlight in our parents' basement. And it always ends with that one line. The call is coming from inside the house. See, that's the line that always gets us. It's a line from one of the most popular urban legends of all time. But what if I told you it's not just an urban legend? And what if I told you that it's based on a real story about a murdered babysitter in 1950? A murder that's never been solved. Well, you probably know how the story goes. A young girl is babysitting for some neighbors one night when the parents go out for dinner. By the time she arrives, the children are already in bed fast asleep, so the babysitter sits down at the kitchen table to do her homework. And the telephone rings. Hello, she greets the caller, but there's no one on the line, just heavy breathing. A little unnerved, she hangs up the phone and makes sure all the doors are locked. The phone rings again. Hello, she answers. Have you checked the children? A quiet voice says on the other end of the line. The babysitter asks who it is, but the caller hangs up. 
few minutes later, the phone rings again. It's the same voice. Have you checked the children? The babysitter hangs up the phone. She knows that she should go upstairs and make sure the children are all right, but she's too nervous after the strange calls. She tries to telephone the parents of the children at the restaurant where they were going. This story dates back to the days before cell phones, but no one can find them. Finally, she calls the operator and asks her to see where the calls are coming from. She assumes it's a friend trying to scare her, but she wants to be sure. The operator asks her to hold while she traces the calls. But when the operator comes back on the line, she's out of breath and sounds frightened. She cries out, get out of the house now. I'll send the police. The calls are coming from inside the house. Scary, right? Well, it was when we were kids, so it's probably a good thing we didn't know back then that this scary story to tell in the dark was based on a real-life incident that's even more terrifying than the legend. The origin of the call is coming from inside the house babysitter story comes from a murder that happened in Columbia, Missouri on March 18th, 1950. It was a dark and stormy night. No kidding, it really was. The babysitter was an eighth grader named Janet Chrisman. And on that night, she decided to skip a party with her friends to babysit for the Romack family, who had a three-year-old son. By the time that Jeanette arrived at their home, the little boy was fast asleep. Little is known about what happened in the house that night, but we do know that Jeanette was raped and strangled to death with a cord from an iron. The killer was likely someone she knew. At some point, Jeanette tried to call the police, but all operators heard on the line were desperate screams telling them to come quick. The police were unable to trace the call to the house. Soon after Jeanette's frantic call to the police, Mrs. Romack tried to call home to check and see how the night was going. The phone was busy. She called several times, but each time she heard only the dull buzz of the busy signal. It wasn't until the Romacks came home that they discovered why they heard a busy tone. The phone was off the hook, and Jeanette was lying a few feet away from the receiver. Despite the twist that the legend takes, there's no evidence that Jeanette's killer placed any calls to the Romack house on the night of the murder from outside or inside the house. But still, it was a murdered babysitter story that has had a lasting impact on generations of kids. And it's not the only one. There have been other babysitter stories told over the years that prove that truth is always stranger than fiction. On July 17, 1972, Mary Lou Bostwick, only three days short of her 16th birthday, was last seen by her father when he dropped her off in an apartment in Waverly, New York, where she had a babysitting job that was supposed to last for a week. On her birthday, her mother stopped by the apartment with a birthday cake and gifts, but the family told her that Mary Lou had never arrived. They found only a paper bag that contained her clothes on their doorstep. Mary Lou was never seen or heard from again. On June 24, 1974, Margaret Fox told her parents that she was meeting with a man named John Marshall about a babysitting job. The 14-year-old had placed an ad offering her services in local papers in Burlington, New Jersey. Margaret took a bus to meet the man who answered the ad, and her younger sister walked to the bus stop with her and saw her leave. She was the last person to see Margaret alive. When it was realized that she was missing, her parents contacted the police, who traced the phone number John Marshall had given to Margaret. It was a supermarket payphone. 
Detectives began recording every call that came into the Fox home, and one call was from a man who demanded a $10,000 ransom for Margaret's safe return. $10,000 might be a lot of bread, but your daughter's life is the butter topping. Who is it? Margaret's mother took the call, and as you heard, the man said, $10,000 might be a lot of bread, but your daughter's life is the butter topping. The caller has never been identified, and no one knows if he took Margaret or if he was someone trying to cash in on the tragedy. That remains a mystery to this day, as does the whereabouts of Margaret Fox. I wish I could say she was the last babysitter to have vanished over the years, but there have been others, like Evelyn Hartley, a 15-year-old sophomore from La Crosse, Wisconsin, who vanished without a trace on October 24th, 1953. Her story was like something out of a Halloween urban legend. But in this case, the horror was real. Welcome to American Hauntings, the podcast dedicated to the history, hauntings, legends, lore, and the dark side of American history. And welcome to our latest season, Gone, which is hosted and produced by Cody Beck and written and performed by Troy Taylor. That's me. America has a long history of strangeness and unexplainable happenings. Tragic events have occurred here and mysteries exist for which no rational explanation can be found. Those mysteries include unsolved disappearances, like the ones we're featuring this season. We've opened the files on people who have gone missing, vanished without a trace, and have never been seen again. Their stories are haunting, heartbreaking, and tragic. They're bizarre, unexpected, and sometimes seem impossible. But one thing we do know is that they did happen. These people walked out the door one day and just never returned. Their stories have no conclusion, their cases remain open, their mysteries are unsolved. They are gone, but we are not allowing them to be forgotten. This is episode 13 of the season, a story that has been haunting generations of babysitters for decades. Evelyn Hartley was a pretty well-liked student at Central High School in La Crosse. Her father, Richard, was a biology professor at La Crosse State College, and her mother, as was common at the time, was a homemaker. They were an average, middle-class, Midwestern family, living the American dream of the 1950s, never imagining their dream would soon turn into a nightmare. On that October evening, Evelyn had agreed to babysit the 20-month-old child of Vigo Rasmussen, a professor and colleague of her father's. When she left home, she was wearing red jeans, a white blouse, white bobby socks, and glasses. Evelyn typically checked in with her mother while she was babysitting, so when several hours passed with no word from her, Ethel asked her husband to call the Rasmussen home. There was no answer. It seemed unlikely that Evelyn would be so wrapped up in the baby that she wouldn't answer, so Richard was a little worried. At Ethel's urging, he drove over to his colleague's house. 
When he arrived there, he found the front door locked. Well, this was a little out of the ordinary in a town like La Crosse in the 1950s, where most people never bothered locking doors when they were home, but he knew it was typical of his daughter. She took her childcare duties seriously and always kept the doors locked. He knocked repeatedly, but there was no response. Richard searched until he found an unlocked basement window, managed to crawl through it, and entered the house. Richard climbed the basement stairs, calling out for his daughter as he did so. He didn't want to frighten her if she'd just been too busy or distracted to hear him knocking on the front door. He reached the kitchen through the basement door and found it quiet and dark. Nothing seemed out of place. He called for Evelyn again. There was still no answer. He searched the first floor. There was no sign of his daughter. He realized that she must be upstairs with the baby. Perhaps she had fallen asleep and didn't hear the phone ring or his knocks at the door. Richard went upstairs, pushing open doors as he went, looking into every room. Finally, he found the nursery and expected to see his daughter, but to his shock, he found only the baby sleeping peacefully in his crib. Evelyn was nowhere to be found, and Richard immediately called the police. La Crosse was still considered a small town in those days, and it only took a few minutes for officers to arrive. They also searched the house and found more than Richard did, who'd only been looking for his daughter. In one room downstairs, they found one of Evelyn's shoes and her glasses, which were broken. Her other shoe was found in a different room of the house. On the back side of the house, also missed by Richard when he climbed in through the basement, the police found an open window. The screen had been removed and was placed against the house. A short stepladder that belonged to the Rasmussens was found below the window. With more searching, officers found pry marks on several windows in addition to the open one and footprints in the dirt below them. The intruder had apparently tried several of the windows before finding one that he could get open. Blood was found both inside the house and in the yard with bloody handprints about 100 feet away in a garage and on a nearby house. The officers also discovered blood both inside the house and in the yard. There was blood and footprints on the pavement outside the Rasmussen's garage, suggesting that detectives that someone took Evelyn through the yard, but dropped her in the yard before carrying her any further. Search dogs were brought in to follow her scent, and the trail ended at Cooley Drive, which was almost two blocks away. The police thought Evelyn was most likely put into a vehicle there and driven away. Officers started knocking on doors along the block and were told by one neighbor he'd seen a car he didn't recognize drive by several times that evening. Another person who lived nearby claimed they heard screams about an hour earlier, but assumed it was just children playing. By now, the Rasmussens had been tracked down and they rushed to the scene. They told detectives that Evelyn had arrived on time and seemed perfectly fine when they left. They'd seen nothing out of the ordinary when they'd driven away. But at some point, after Evelyn had put the baby to bed, an intruder had entered the house and the young woman had been abducted. It was a horror story come to life. A massive search began that night. Police officers and volunteers covered the town on foot, while the National Guard, Civil Air Patrol, and the Air Force searched the sky. Men searched the Mississippi River and walked the banks. College and high school volunteers joined the effort, and within the first few days after her vanishing, there were more than 2,000 people looking for Evelyn. 
Meanwhile, detectives were still looking for witnesses. Two days after Evelyn vanished, a neighbor of the Rasmussen's named Ed Hofer told the police that while driving home, he was almost hit by a dark green two-tone 1942 Buick as it was speeding past him. Inside the Buick, Hofer reported seeing one man driving the vehicle and a second man in the back seat with a girl. Hofer also reported that a few minutes earlier, he'd seen the same two men with the young girl as he was parked outside his brother-in-law's house, which was located just around the corner from the Rasmussen home. He told the police that the girl had been wedged between the two men and he didn't look closely at her because he thought she might be drunk because of the way the two men were holding her by the arms as she was stumbling down the street. The search expanded outside of town. Hunters were asked to stay alert while out in the field. Farmers were asked to check their land for any sign of Evelyn and more ominously for the suggestion that any of their land had been freshly dug for a grave. This idea sent police officers to local cemeteries where fresh graves were unearthed to see if Evelyn might have been buried in secret. The search was intensified after various articles of clothing, many of which were stained with blood, were found at different locations around town. Tests would later prove that the blood on a jacket that was found matched Evelyn's type although there was no testing for DNA in those days. Roadblocks were set up around La Crosse so that officers could check the trunks and back seats of every car for fresh blood or anything else out of the ordinary. There were more than 40,000 stickers printed for the search, each car reading, My Car Is Okay. Officers placed a sticker on every car that had been checked and cleared. The police even deputized gas station attendants to report any suspicious vehicles and to look through them, turning over the license numbers of any drivers that refused a mandatory search. And that wouldn't be the only controversial part of the investigation. At one point, mass lie detector tests were conducted on lacrosse area high school boys in an attempt to find more information about Evelyn's disappearance. The local authorities had planned to test 1,750 students and faculty members. There were protests about the tests, and they were stopped after only around 300 men had been subjected to them. None of those men were believed to have been involved in Evelyn's abduction. Richard and Ethel made numerous public pleas for information. They even addressed their daughter's abductor directly and begged for her release. Soon after, the Hartleys received two telephone calls in which a man offered to trade information about Evelyn for $500. The police set a trap for the caller and captured 20-year-old Jack Dufferin, but he knew nothing about Evelyn's whereabouts. He was just trying to take advantage of the situation and make a little extra cash. He was charged and convicted of attempted extortion. Friends, neighbors, local businesses, and civic organizations collected money for a reward fund for any tips that might lead to Evelyn's return. The fund quickly grew to $6,600. Hundreds of tips flooded the police station. Each one was investigated and then promptly dismissed. No one, it seemed, had any idea what had happened to Evelyn. The case grew cold, but the authorities didn't give up. A year after Evelyn's disappearance, Sheriff John Scullin estimated that his department had questioned 1,200 people. Detective Captain Leo Kim, who led the initial investigation, placed that number higher at around 3,500 people, but despite their efforts, no new leads were discovered. 
The case was eventually given to A.M. Josephson, an investigator for La Crosse County. He pursued the case for years, focusing primarily on two items of interest that were found early in the investigation, a pair of men's tennis shoes and a man's denim jacket that had bloodstains on it. He believed they were important clues if the case was ever going to be solved. The items had been found along Highway 14, about 10 miles from La Crosse near Shelby, Wisconsin. The tread on the bottom of the shoes had a distinct pattern that the detective believed matched some traces of mud found in the Rasmussen house. Josephson also discovered that the soles of the shoes exhibited a distinct wear pattern consistent with operating a Whizzer motorbike. Over the next few months, he poured over sales records and receipts and even tracked down past and present owners of Whizzer bikes, but never found any worthwhile suspects. The jacket and shoes were photographed and put on display throughout the region with a plea for information from anyone who might recognize them. And once again, calls flooded the police hotlines, but again, no new leads were found. As the case got colder, the shoes and bloody jacket were dismissed by most investigators. The shoes were a size 11, but the jacket was only a small one, size 36. Many detectives felt they were unconnected, but not Josephson. He believed that two kidnappers had taken Evelyn. He continued his search, but his efforts ultimately led nowhere. Years went by without any answers. By 1959, the last remaining efforts fizzled out. And while the Evelyn Hartley case was left open, most believed it would never be solved. In the decades that followed, a number of individuals came forward and, surprise, surprise, confessed to the crime. In 1971, a 51-year-old transient named Tommy Thompson was arrested in Casper, Wyoming for passing bad checks. While locked up, he told police of a rape and murder he'd committed in 1953 and named Evelyn as his victim. Authorities checked Thompson's claims and found that he'd been in prison in Minnesota at the time Evelyn disappeared. There were other confessions too, but all of them fell apart after being investigated. And, of course, there were theories and accusations. In 1957, some investigators tried to link Evelyn's disappearance to the crimes of Ed Gein, the Wisconsin man who had recently confessed to murdering two women and fashioning trophies out of human body parts. It was discovered that he had been visiting relatives in La Crosse around the time of Evelyn's disappearance. However, the search of his property and two lie detector tests ruled him out in the kidnapping. Authorities officially declared that Gein was not connected to the case. In 2004, a man named Mel Williams came forward with a conversation he accidentally recorded at a bar in 1969. Although he was trying to record a bar band that was performing, he'd inadvertently recorded a conversation between two men also. On the tape, one of the men, Clyde Peterson, implicated himself in Evelyn's kidnapping and murder, along with a friend named Jack Golfair and a third unnamed man. He claimed they buried Evelyn in LaForge, Wisconsin. Although the authorities promised to investigate the lead, there were no further developments in the case after detectives learned that Peterson had died of a heart attack in 1974 and Golfair had committed suicide in 1967. As for Evelyn's parents, Richard and Ethel, they remained haunted 
by their daughter's disappearance for the rest of their lives. Eventually too traumatized to continue living in La Crosse, they moved to Portland, Oregon, where both later passed away. In an interview they gave in 1978, they admitted to losing all hope of finding out what happened to their daughter. That was the last public statement about the case they ever made. Evelyn's disappearance, while it remains an open one today, tragically remains unsolved. Have you ever wanted to learn a new language? And I don't mean like spells or incantations to trap spirits, you weirdos. I mean like a new language that could help you start communicating with more people on this plane today. Then I need to tell you about Rosetta Stone. Look, you know the brand, you know the name. They have the expertise and a 30-year legacy, which makes them more qualified than ever to help you learn a new language today. They've helped millions of people build the fluency and confidence to speak new languages. Now, this is the part where Troy would tell me that I made some kind of grammatical error, but he's not here right now, so like, I don't know, it's like speaking tongues. Rosetta Stone focuses on speaking practice for real-life scenarios to get you ready for real conversations with real people. Or maybe you can even learn how to use some different types of Ouija boards. I don't know. Either way, Rosetta Stone can help you learn faster and retain your new language better. Honestly, Rosetta Stone really would have come in handy for season four of New Orleans because I know we butchered some of those French names and I apologize once again. Now you all know I have a nine to five job when I'm not at the podcast factory and Rosetta Stone actually helped me not make a total fool out of myself while I was in Brazil interviewing celebrities. Obrigado. And now I want to help you. So don't put off learning that new language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, American Hauntings podcast listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today today. Rosetta Stone, how language is learned. Wait, by the way, Troy, like where do words come from? Hey, no, don't, 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 don't walk away. Oh, Troy, where do words come There's one thing that the American Hauntings podcast knows about, and that's mothers. We featured a lot of great mothers in a lot of our episodes. Pearl Curran, Julia Lemp, Sarah Moore, Marie Laveau, Jane Mansfield, Tamsin Donner, Delphine LaLaurie, Belle Gunness. Okay, maybe leave out those last two. But what I'm saying is that with Mother's Day coming soon, you need a truly special gift for your mom because, well, she's not Belle Gunness. So let me tell you about mylifeinabook.com. It's a unique service that literally turns your mom's life story into a book. So here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send your mom a question in her email, the same way she sends you questions about your dating life or when you plan to give her grandkids. Anyway, these can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions that you want to ask. She replies by either typing in the answers or by recording her own voice. Then mylifeinabook.com compiles all her responses into a keepsake book, and they can create an audiobook that uses her voice recordings, preserving her voice and her stories forever. 
As anyone who doesn't have their mom around anymore can tell you, having your mother's stories about growing up, being a kid, and overcoming life's challenges will be something that you and your kids will treasure. And let's be honest, your mom has given you a lifetime of stories. This is your chance to give her a very cool way to share them. Honestly, I decided to try this out for myself and I sent it to my mom. And she's not exactly a whiz at computers, but she still found it really easy to use. My mom might have had a little more unusual childhood than a lot of mothers do. So I'm really glad to have this. And I think you'll be glad to give one to your mother too. So check out mylifeinabook.com and use the code HAUNTINGS at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com and use the code HAUNTINGS for 10% off today. ready to rock and roll then sure sure yeah no, i'm good all right thanks for returning for more episodes of the american hauntings podcast where we discuss history hauntings legends lore and the dark side of american history this is season seven of the podcast which we call God. i'm your co-host cody beck and with me is my co-host the angelic voiced author and historian crime buff and founder of american audience troy taylor where'd you mm-hmm. do you just come up with these on the fly is that uh yeah like i just I, I i had no i had no plan so that's what it. you got so i love it <laughs> no that that's amazing i like that you change it up you get creative <laughs> i feel like it kind of keeps you on your toes a little bit sure you know? yeah, yeah i gotta sure. keep the improv mm-hmm. yes and yes and <laughs> Um, yeah, you roll with the punches, man. But uh, what's up, dude? How's, how's it been going? Um, how how was New Orleans? Uh, this is a trip that I didn't get to go on this time. And I, I have been for the last few years. But I wanted to know, how was it? It was it was good. It was hot. Uh, I mean, as usual, I miss yeah. July in New Orleans. Sure. It's going to be hot. So um, yeah, it, we, we had a really good time. Uh, did a couple of tours we had not done before, which was fun. Uh, a uh, a true crime tour, which was pretty good. I mean, we had done similar ones, and then I liked this one. Mm-hmm. And we decided to do the bus tour. Uh, that was a ghosts and cemetery tour. Uh, I would not recommend it for first timers. I hadn't uh, done it a was bus fun, tour in New Orleans, and it was nice because it was it was air conditioned. But sure. we were way off the beaten path, and mm-hmm. so it was not. You didn't hear anything that was maybe something that you'd be interested in that was famous mm. or something because taking a bus down through the French Quarter would be a nightmare. Oh, hell no. So it's just not, I, like I said, it, it, it was nice, uh, but I don't recommend it for first timers. Yeah. I would just stick with the walk-in tour. So. How was the hotel compared to our previous uh, experiences? Um, I didn't care for it, so I'm not going to sit. Fair enough. We were. Um, I, Fair I, enough. I didn't care for it. So one day pool about the size of a bathtub, and uh, that does not work for me. One so day I, we'll find way a too hotel. Close. Yeah, so, I know. Well, I have before. That was the place that I stayed in, and they told me uh, they'd never run a, a credit card that big before, and uh, they did everything on paper. Uh, this was like five years ago. Uh, it wasn't oh, wow. computerized. It was all on paper. And then when I tried to book there the following year, they wouldn't return my calls. I guess my credit card was too big. I, I no idea. You so, gave them too much money. Yeah, it was bizarre. Um, so anyway, yeah, it's it's I don't know. It's one a, day we'll get it right. Odd place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So but yeah, one but other, otherwise it was good. So that's awesome. Other than being pepper sprayed. But 
Uh, and that was an accident. It was aimed at some uh, lunatic that was screaming on the street. And the blowback hit a bunch of us in the face. So it was. Yeah, is it as bad as I hear it is? It was pretty bad. Uh, we didn't get a face on you know, full dose yeah, of it. Yeah. But my buddy Chris goes, pepper spray, close your eyes. Everybody closes their eyes and tries not to breathe. But, you know, it got some of us anyway. But you know, damn. I know it's you know, it's New Orleans. Never it's mind. Like, yeah, maybe we should go back. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So now that that's over and the conference is over, um, we are. Well, I mean, we're still in July. We're still in summer. But what, what do you got barely. coming up? I know, I, barely. Dude, it's, July is. Flawed. We've already posted our fall events and I tours. Know. We had to. People kept asking. So yeah. So if you're interested in that, go to dinnerandspirits.com where you can find out where you can hang out with me this fall because. Everything for September, October, November, December, all of it's up there now. So I had, it's I all had there a, and people are already booking stuff. So it's, you know, we'll how try, it's going to be. It's going to sell out two months in advance. I have a, um, a, I got a group chat and a buddy, a uh, close friend of mine reached out and he's like, are you guys doing the ghost tours this October? And I was like, bro, <laughs> yeah, I said, first off, man. yes. Yeah. Second, we do them all year round i think that's something we yeah. just need to hammer home it, it's oh, not an october thing no, it it's not just october year. but people have been asking about fall but I, I do have some august stuff still coming and it's oddball stuff i mean it's like new things uh that we don't normally do well i do the lizzie borden thing every year mm -hmm. august 5th and there's still time uh i don't have a lot of seats left for it but there are a few as of right now yeah um by the time everybody hears this i think we'll still have some eh, left a few days um and then we have the cult the american cults thing uh you know the snake handlers and poison drinkers and you know is this, that kind is of this stuff. taking up serpents sort of is yeah stuff? it is it is um with some really lunatic even bigger lunatics because i've updated the whole thing oh so, hell yeah and then on the 19th i'm doing a brand new one i haven't done before and it's uh it's al capone and you know chicago gangland stuff oh, because gonna, that's the day that. well and that's and that's always fun but that's also the day that my book about southern illinois gangsters comes out so i'm doing one end of the state to the other at the same time so uh on the 19th um i'm doing a book signing from like uh, 11 to 2 or something 11 mm -hmm. 2 or 3 i don't know uh, i'd have to look at them <laughs> i'd have to look at the event sorry sure. i will next time i will make sure that i have the day the time on it but i know it is i know it starts at 11 and it's at the mineral springs in mm -hmm. the crystal room so but i also have a couple of uh, river road tours where we're done for the summer uh, we'll start those back up again in the fall, but then we still have a couple of the, oh, oh we have one because we sold out one already. We have one Great River Haunting store. That's the one where we do the, you know, all you can eat chicken dinner at Pier Marquette. And then we have a Spirits of Alton tour too, which is our in-town dinner tour. So yeah, other than that, it's, uh, we're moving on to fall. Uh, I can't, you know, and fall is, you know, Gangs of Southern Illinois and American Witch, H.H. H. Holmes, St. Louis Exorcism, Axe Murders, all Some that heavy stuff. hitters. Yeah, all the big stuff is coming in the fall and lots of tours and stuff, too. But uh, like I said, people are already booking stuff. I mean, we just posted it this week and it's already crazily going. So, yeah, um, yeah it's time to make plans. I mean, it's August, right. almost August already. And that's what happens, I find. So, yeah, nothing, nothing for my birthday. Yeah. I see. That's cool. Yeah. Um, but uh, oh, can I was wondering, can can you and I and my little brother, can we book a tour where it's we try to find that Piasaw bird cave, but it's you and I saying, hey, 
climb that and go over yeah. there. And yeah, that's does a good that. idea. I like that. We'll just yeah. have, have Ricky do it, just yeah. do all the climbing. Yeah. And then if he finds it, he can let us know and we'll come up. So, and if he and yeah. if he doesn't, then cool. We didn't waste yeah, any exactly. energy it or didn't, fall It didn't bother bluff. us. So, yeah. You know, yeah. Cause I we'll just kid, follow him in a car and he could. Yeah. That walk, kid just like, so. yeah, pretty much rock climbs like in his sleep. So this would be great for everybody. What's somewhere by Grafton? Well, if it's there, my brother will find it. Um, All right. Well, I do have a listener review. This one's titled Great Podcast. It says, very interesting and informative, enjoyable to listen to, a must listen if you live in Illinois. I want to, this is from Jaffa67. I want to push back a little bit on this. First off. Well, yes, I can go with the Alton thing. I mean, we are doing the revisiting Alton, so that's Illinois. But other than that. Well, what have I, we done? Well, there were well, there were two things I want to say. First off, oh, okay. I don't care where you live; it's probably not enjoyable. Yes. And then, well, well, there's that. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> and then know. second, uh, on the other end of that spectrum, yeah, no matter where you live, you should check it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm kind of going from both ends, but no, thank you, Jaffa, for that uh, that comment, and I appreciate <laughs> it. And yeah, I'd be very curious as like, uh, yeah, where you are in Illinois, and if you are specifically interested in the Alton stuff, or um, yeah, what 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 prompted you to have that comment but thank you so much because again the apple kind of controls everything so those are the reviews that mean the most and i love we love looking through them and um, hey i saw that uh stitcher is it that's going away yeah yeah Yeah, they're dropping stitcher Mm -hmm. um people tell me they they were they were really unhappy about that so yeah they they, they are they're closing that down um i need to quit saying that i i would no i would (laughs) just say listen on stitcher yeah, I think well, we're gonna have to have yeah. to change some stuff up on the website and everything. Um, because yeah, that that's unfortunate. But um, if you're looking for a different podcast app, I mean, I have an iPhone, but I use uh, I use uh, Castro as my podcast app. Um, I know some other people will use you know Spotify or this or that thing, but I would say even though Apple Podcast is kind of like the main one, there are apps that I feel have a better um user experience than a yeah, podcast i would agree so, with that so check just some mine stuff are out. already logged in on that and i know right stuff i subscribe to like wonder either it's already logged it's in. right there yeah <laughs> it's it, well, mess with i know phone. it's so hard it's so hard to change it up it when, it's, when it's working but but yeah it's our, sorry if you're on stitcher um we're just not going to be there it's not our choice yeah nobody um, will be so yeah and we, <laughs> we, we, and we tried we tried <laughs> we, we pushed ads for them we tried to get people to go for stitcher but no it's not happening nope um so you know sorry about you um all right you ready to dive into these sure fun stories this is actually i'll be honest with you this has been my favorite episode this why season. i i don't know i just love uh urban legend kind of stories that oh, okay. hook into movies and yeah, stuff yeah. okay and babysitter stories and i don't know they just they i just get a kick out of them i mean i shouldn't say that these are horrible you know what <laughs> right, i mean you know but um yeah they're terrible stories but i love them and uh this has been this is probably my favorite one to work on i don't can know I, just was can i ask you something now that i'm thinking about it um sure. i know this is definitely from what 58 72 74 53 yeah um do are there stories out there that you know of of male babysitters that met the same kind of fate? Uh, not that I know of. This is not necessarily a thing. No, male babysitters. That's not. Yeah, that's no. I just. I don't. How do you want to think about it? It just bothers me. I so. was just wondering. I mean, I mean, I know they are. I mean, I've I've been. You know, I have not babe. I've been a babysitter for hire. Uh, but I've, I've, I've watched other people's children. It's the only kind of children I like. Well, not really, but, um, so yeah, I I know it isn't true, but 
Um, yeah. So no, I, I, I guess I've never been a babysitter for hire. I know that they exist. You know? Okay. I just, I just, I was just curious. Yeah. I, I haven't heard the story. Well, it's not, that's not, you know, that doesn't make a good story to tell in a dark basement or around a campfire. No, no, no. Who no, wants just... to hear about, you know, Biff, the babysitter who could, if somebody tried to kill him, he'd, you know, we Beast want a shit woman in peril story, you know, a girl in peril. Well, that's yeah. what makes a good urban legend. I'm not saying that I want if... women to be in peril. I just mean that those are the stories that right, are the ones that resonate with attention. Yeah. Well, well yeah, true. that's if... what makes a good movie. If these were urban legends, I would agree with you, but these things actually happen. Well, I know, but well, but they were the basis for right, um, right. They, they were the basis for the urban legend. Do you, and or, do you or for at least for the movie? And then of course that turned it into a urban legend. Yeah. And so so we're I'm gonna dive into these four stories that we have here real quick. But um do you know when the first time this popped up in pop culture as far as the calls are coming from inside the house sort of thing? No, the only the, really the, I mean the the one that started it was this the 1950 Columbia Missouri with uh with with Janet Christman. That's the mm-hmm. that's the one that started it. That's when the story sort of came to life. And while there was no um no evidence that she, you know, did receive any calls from inside the house. She did try to use the phone. Right. And I think that was kind of enough. They found her body next to the phone. And uh, I don't know, someone creative came up with this idea. And we had an argument. Uh, I had an argument with someone. I don't think it was through the podcast or maybe it was thank God. that were telling me that, um, you could not call your own house. Yes, you can. Yeah, you and can. You do not have to have two lines. Yeah. I mean, yes, that was common that people would have a line for a, a, a you know, a, one of the kids would have their own line. I mean, usually an only child. <laughs> no, you know, they're the only one spoiled enough to have, mm-hmm. you know, their own phone line. But um, that's when, you know, people had landlines. And, um, you know, there, there might be a separate one. And yes, the calls could be coming from inside the house. But you could also make your phone ring. You could make it ring because they used to do it to my mother all the time. I did too, but this was in the 90s. But I I do remember if you did it wrong, it was just a busy signal. But do you remember how you did it? Yeah, it was star something, but it wasn't 69 because that's how you call back a number that calls you. I want to say it was star 67. I thought that's what it was. Then you put the receiver down and it rings and then you have to pick it up when the other person does. Uh-huh. So it doesn't have to be exact same time, but they'll pick it up and then you pick it up and they'll say hello. And then you'll go, hello, this is, you know, uh, is your refrigerator running? You right, know, right, right. Yeah. But, you <laughs> yeah know. You better go catch it. Yeah. Yes. I'm calling from Illinois Power. I know, love it. So. I love it. Yeah. So, okay. So we started off Columbia, 1958, uh, uh, 1950, 50. I'm sorry. Janet Chrisman uh, raped and strangled to death, brought babysitting. Um, all the police heard on the line were screams like, it is tragic, but I, I mean, I, that's a story right there. Of Even course, without of the adding in the calls coming from inside the house, yeah, that's bad enough. I mean, that's a story that gets repeated right there. It is. So. And just like I can already see the scene pretty much of like she's trying, you know, like mm-hmm. fighting tooth and nail and, and yeah. trying as hard as she can. Uh, July 17th, 1972, Mary Lee Bostwick in Waverly, New York. Uh, she's supposed to babysit for like a week and she just never arrived never her, i mean yeah they found her clothes it. on the doorstep so it's like somebody grabbed her right after yeah. her dad dropped her off or she got into a car with someone 
uh, like someone she knew, you know, it had to have been someone she knew, put the bag down thinking, oh, I'm just going to talk to this person for a minute. Or maybe they pulled up and asked for directions. You know, well, I will never know because it's at this point, there's no way you're going to ever be able to trace this. I just don't know. Like if I don't have any children, um, but if, okay, so if I have a daughter, I feel like I don't want her to go babysit. I know this is very different now, Yeah, but fuck. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, now, you know, this story is hard. They did a, they did a remake of the movie, you know, the, um, the, the, when, when, when a stranger calls, when a stranger calls. Yeah. The original one was landlines. They did a remake of it. I want to say like 2010 or 11 or something. And cell phones, man. You know what I say about cell phones and horror movies? Cell phones always ruin a horror movie. They would ruin everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the phone cannot work or you do not have a horror movie. It's just how it is. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, it's okay, but it's not nearly as good as the original. And the original is only good through like the first 20 minutes once, oh, yeah. once the once the calls stop coming from inside the house the rest of the movie's not that great sure <laughs> no it's well it's like even Charles Durning as a cop i mean who's okay i mean and carol kane it's 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 good cast but the movie's not that great after that so anyway well, it's not a movie review and no uh, even well even like women i meet nowadays they'll like a lot of times come out and just tell me they're like, hey, my location is shared with my entire family and all my best yeah. friends. And I'm like, yeah. good. Right. Good, good plan. It, it yeah, be. no kidding. Because I don't want to get blamed for this. Yeah, well, yeah. So. And I'm just like, it, if it anything should, happens it to you, be. I don't want to be blamed. So. Yeah. And I also have done similar things too. If I'm going into any environment that's not even sketchy, but just yeah, I usually do it, like when I see you ask me, hey, can we meet up so that you can sign a book? Right. right. Go ahead and lo- share my location <laughs> with several people. So <laughs> just let a couple people know. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm meeting Cody back and uh, uh, book he, signing he, question yeah. mark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, June 24th, 1974, Margaret Fox is meeting a man named John Marshall for a babysitting job. So she found this through an, an ad sort of. Yeah, she put an ad in the paper okay uh, that you know hey uh I'm, I'm sure it said read something like and i've seen those you know responsible young woman uh seeking babysitter jobs and probably it seemed okay i mean she is not that's not a big town and um you know in the 70s who thought different i mean most people didn't lock their doors you know it's right like, right right you know i so i we started talking about this lacrosse wisconsin story and it's like mm-hmm. people don't lock their doors then you know i mean even in the 70s nobody thought twice about letting the kids stay out as late you know we run all over the place and that was yeah. the 80s so i'm sure it seems safe her parents probably approved you know and uh she got a great lead on a on a job from a guy named John Marshall who gave his name and telephone number and seemed reputable, but obviously was not. I so. know. And that's like, I hate the internet so much, but there uh-huh. are some benefits. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, yeah, but yeah, now. now that they took what, um, uh, whatchamacallit, they took that website down. The one with the, God, what, what the hell is it called? What Craigslist? The, Craigslist. The, yeah. The, now that that's not around anymore, or at least they, Took they some took, of the stuff off. They took of the it. escort yeah. parts down. And yeah, because I, boy, casual encounters. Sketchy, man. People getting murdered, going, you know, but oh, I don't know. People get murdered on Tinder dates and stuff too. Yeah. So, yep. I, so I don't know about the internet, man. I think you, you thought you'd solved everything, but really, is that any different than putting an ad up in a supermarket bill, you know, bulletin board? Probably not. That's a, that's so, a fair question. Probably yeah. even worse now. So well, then it was then, you know, yeah, I might have to rethink my whole position. <laughs> yeah, yeah, on this. You might want to rethink that. But yeah. something else that you mentioned this, there was a ransom call that was recorded. But a lot of things we see with a lot of these cases is 
someone out yeah. there trying to cash uh, in or, yeah racketeering or yeah. Uh, yeah. you know whatever they call it yeah. and extortion extortion uh, yeah. yeah or you know fake ransom calls it happened all the time i mean it's happened in so many different uh cases over the years and so many different stories you know yeah. so yeah, and it's, it's hard it's to say just it's such garbage and just yeah. false, false hope and um i really hope that a lot of these people that did that got the phone book treatment um yeah yeah right when they still did that yeah me too yeah so. um okay on to our our big case that you, that you mentioned so october 24th 1953 um everlyn hartley a 15 year old sophomore sophomore from lacrosse wisconsin who vanished without a trace you said this is kind of the average middle class family in the 1950s i'm, I'm guessing very leave it to beaver type yeah i mean it seems like it i mean dad was a professor at the state college and you know mom was a homemaker and she's just an average teenage girl and sophomore in high school going to babysit for a you know a, a colleague of her father's is yeah. a nice normal family you know a little ways away not next door or anything but still lacrosse was not that big in the 1950s it's mm -hmm. not a huge town today but it really wasn't very big in the 50s and you know everybody knew a lot of people you know and, mm -hmm. and she knew this family and probably had babysitted for him before and yeah nobody thought a thing about it it just seemed completely normal until they uh, couldn't until, get a hold of her until she didn't call like she normally did just to check in with her mom and and vice versa and so she got worried enough that she sent her husband over to check and that's when things got weird yeah so dad can't get a hold of her climbs through a basement window um eventually finds only the baby it is clear yeah. to that uh, in itself that is creepy Fuck Can yeah, you imagine is. going through this house and he's not looking for any of the clues that the police then would find he even missed the step ladder at the yeah, window yeah yeah because he wasn't looking for he's it. looking it's for dark his daughter back there right he just wondered what happened to her and he's going through the house and can't find anything and he goes upstairs and thinks maybe she fell asleep in the baby's room you know rocking a baby or whatever mm -hmm. and there's no one in the house but a not quite two-year-old kid that is creepy, that is creepy. and it's knowing this girl would never leave that baby mm -hmm. she mm -hmm. would not have gone anywhere on her own and i think that what the police find proves that she did not go anywhere on her own of course and yeah and finding and knowing that and then finding only the baby like immediately he's like something's up gotta call the cops yeah, yeah. Um, and they find somebody clearly broken in they find footprints and things around different people blood to, stains uh, and blood yeah stains. Oof. yes yeah. and um ed hoffer says he's he'd seen some men with evelyn particularly or, or maybe and um i like the yeah uh, maybe maybe i mean he saw a couple of guys and a girl that might have been her um you know and they're but and probably was but they're like dragging her down the street yeah and yeah. it makes sense that there were two of them and that mm -hmm. was kind of the police yes you know yes. theory all along is that there were a couple of guys one yeah. probably broke in and let the other a one in am so. josephson yeah talks about that later he thinks there were two of them um and yeah the cops find blood fingerprints or, i'm sorry footprints and uh, they start checking cars, and this is interesting. They have the "My Car Is Okay" sticker. Yeah, that's which, uh, that's something. I know it's, it's not a bad system, I guess, as long as you can't as long as you can't rip the stickers off. I guess and yeah, you put them I on guess. another car. Well, why would you want to? Well, well, if you were to put guess, it on your car, I guess if you yeah, if you wanted to put it on your car and it wasn't okay, but yeah, um, you know. But I mean, I, I I mean the sticker thing wasn't really an issue for me. I get it. You know, you don't have to put the sticker on your car, but you did. But like when they start deputizing gas stations and gas yes. stations to oh, search boy. your car that that part was that's i had that it that kind of made me laugh yeah i mean it's i have it's, to admit 
it's a lot um yeah. i like that they were trying but yeah it's 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 kind of crossing some lines uh tons of lie detector lie detector, well, on the lie detector tests they you know they're gonna do two thousand lie detector tests come on man <laughs> yeah know? but they did make it through 300 of them right so, i mean they were they were cranking them out and then yeah the tip line set up eventually a scammer comes through like we talked about yeah. the case is eventually given to am uh, josephson um, he does set his sights on two different pieces of evidence, though men's tennis shoes and a denim jacket with blood stains. However, since they are what such different sizes, that's why he kind of thinks that yeah, two it just people. it just seemed odd, yeah, and it made him think because the the jacket was kind of small, but the I mean, you know, with size thirty six, that is like a smaller, a medium men's jacket, and then uh -huh. the shoes are size eleven, so that just seemed yeah unlikely yeah you know yep so. no that that's fair um, but i mean lot... this guy's a bit of a sherlock holmes though i mean he managed to track down that it's the you know the shoes have the wear and tear yes. on them from having a wizard bike yes. i'm gonna i'm gonna send you a photo of because I, I had to look you know okay yeah what the fuck is a wizard wizard bike so anyway i looked it up so i'll send you a photo of it so that we can post it in case anybody else wonders too perfect so. yeah and I, I put some of those on instagram but also if you just go to our website and click on um, the episodes tab it'll you, each show has a different page and all the pictures that troy sent me are on those pages um so you can check out stuff and get a little more context um there's some false confessions over the years um it was not ed gein uh it doesn't seem like yeah, his mo yeah, no um, anyway and well, he, you know and then you know, we don't have to go into all that about ed gein i think we talked about it before ed gein is please stop calling him a serial killer people he was not a serial killer he killed two people right and, and, and dug up know, dead bodies. desperation he mostly was just digging up dead bodies out of the cemetery don't get me wrong guys i've fucking creep i right. mean he's a complete freak interesting artist. not a serial killer yes. and so you know but i'm sure it seemed it seemed i mean in the hot you know what was yeah. going on at the time and the cops are in his house and finding women hanging upside down dressed out like deer and you know and, and furniture put together with human bones and stuff i mean you're going to want to blame this dude for everything you can find yeah and so this disappearance was still you know act or at least people were still interested in it at the time yeah you, it's, it's a, it's a had nothing to do with kidnapping the babysitter it's a lead you got to chase down at well least, sure, but sure. but actually when we were in in new orleans a couple of years ago we were at the uh what yeah Museum of Death. Death, yeah. yeah. Um, I was going to buy a shirt, and I, I wanted to buy a Carl Panzeram shirt, but the back of it said a quote from him that I won't repeat, and I was yeah, like, never mind. You I, don't, I, yeah, you don't I can't do that. So no. I bought an Ed Gein shirt, because I was like, this is a serial... Uh, sorry, this is a person that <laughs> I can... Call that I, a serial killer. That I can have on my shirt and not feel like a piece of shit, because... Well, yeah, I don't know, man. He I mean, sucks. he's a... <laughs> well, yeah, but we like weird shit. So he's just so there's just something about him. It's like it's like uh, Ed Gein and Albert Fish. No, like Albert Fish is way. Albert, well, Albert I don't get me way wrong. Worse. Fish is definitely worse, but they're just so gross. You know, I mean, they're just. I don't even think you're talking apples and oranges. Or anything, I don't man. care. Well, I didn't say they were alike. I just said they were both so gross. Okay, yeah, that's fair. That's I mean, fair. they're now, both gross. I mean, H. H. Holmes serial killer, but uh -huh. at least he had some style. You know, at least he has a, a panache, you know, I mean, I know God. Um, digging people up out of the cemetery. Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, no, we're almost done here. Clyde Peterson caught on tape <laughs> confessing. Nothing ever comes of it because they're like, bro, you were like 
in jail. Like, yeah, but it's, it's kind of interesting. Oh, that guy. I thought you were, yeah, you said caught on tape. I was thinking about the guy who came forward with, who keeps a recording of a bar band from that, 1969 yeah, and comes forward with it in 2004? All I, I can think of is this dude is like digging, it was going through some, I mean, cleaning out a storage unit. What are you doing? I, yeah. this, that is the weirdest story. And I, I tried to find more about that just because I was curious. I yeah. mean, it, there's no need to bring more of it up because it pretty much just tells the story. I mean, you know, the one guy implicated, but both of them are dead. So it didn't really matter, mm -hmm. but it was just like, why? Yeah. Why? Out of I don't, nowhere. I, out I of couldn't, nowhere. I couldn't wrap my head around it. Yeah. And it was just like a bar band. It wasn't even like, it wasn't like he went to a you know, I don't know, a, a Rolling Stones concert right, or right. something. I was, you know, doing a bootleg. It was just some band in a bar. And these guys are apparently sitting close to his microphone. That's all I can figure out. Yeah, I, I don't know how it all happened. but Yeah, me either, but uh, The last little point is in an interview that the parents gave in 1978, they admitted to losing all hope yeah. of finding out what happened to their daughter. That was the last public statement about the case that they ever made. And that's just where it ends. I know that's the end of the story. I mean, you know, yes, we had the, the the most recent thing was that the most recent development was that 2004 tape. There hasn't been anything else. I mean, I tried to f figure I tried to find if anything else come from this. I could find nothing else. Yeah. Um, it's just one of those stories that I mean, I think even by that point, the, the parents had given up by the 70s. And I think by surely by 2004, I mean, the cops didn't even bother to look any further when they found out the guys were dead. What was the point? Right. You know, I, I just don't it's I think it's unsolvable at this point unless mm -hmm. somebody would accidentally stumble across you their know, remains or something. Yeah. No, yeah. Or, you know, found a, a letter underneath a rug in a <laughs> right, house. And right. had, yeah, yeah, I know. Other in a episodes, bloody t-shirt. Yeah. Good God. So yeah. 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 Well, yeah I don't know, man. So that's it's a have. sad story, but I gotta say this. I don't know. I just I I dug this whole theme. I guess yeah, no, I mean one, it, so. it, it's it you know fun four, to work it's on. four kind of short stories and they're all terrible, don't get me wrong, but yeah. it did help at least a part of it spawn one of the most popular kind of urban mm -hmm. legends that we that we have and it's, yeah. it's terrifying yeah it's it's yeah. like a weird home invasion sort of thing it is it is and it's just one of those things that has stuck with everybody in our you psyche know, even yeah. and they don't even know where it came from mm -hmm. you know nobody really knows where that how that got started but everybody knows the story right you know so you know, interesting kind of interesting well, I want to give a quick shout out to some of our most recent Patreon uh, patrons. So thank you so much for supporting the show on Patreon. Uh, thank you to Donna, Kirsten, Don, Carrie, Mary, our family, Mayor Jones, Torgerson, Amy, and Jason. So, <laughs> hey, thank you so much for supporting the show. We really appreciate it. Um, people have been really happy with the H.H. Holmes yeah, series that we fun. have going on. Well, wait till they hear the next episode. Ah, God, I can't wait. It's a good one. Yeah. It's a good one. It's a completely different one than at first. It's not going to, no one will understand how it fits in, but trust oh, hell me, yeah. it does. All right. I, so, I trust you. I can't we'll wait. get there. I mean, people will suspect, but yeah, they, you know, I'll, I'll lay it out, but it's going to yeah. be an odd one. So awesome. I um, have no idea how long this was going to be, by the way, just so you know, I mean, the other ones, I was pretty set on 10 episodes on the other seasons, but I don't know, man. This one, I'm on. I'm on episode seven, and I, there's a. I got a long way to go here. Hey, man. So, I'm, I'm okay. Here for as it. long as you're good with it, it's it's 
Especially it's, because it's gonna keep going because there's just so much good shit. Yeah, well, know? especially because with this all, character, it's our, stuff I have never worked on before. Well, then and I think it's important to, to put the it last out. One, yeah. When you look, if you listen to what you did because you were putting it, you were mm-hmm. editing it. But you know, I even talked about you know that this is the first time with a lot of this stuff I've ever written about this stuff. Yeah, with Holmes because I just you know decided to really dig in. Again, you know, because every I think every time I've ever written about him, uh, it's been different because mm-hmm. you find more stuff or yeah. you find out that, you know, something got started and it was bullshit and you have to correct it because that's what I do. So um, this has been uh, this has been a lot of fun for me to do. So, uh, yeah, people seem to be enjoying it. So if you want to check it out, um, I think I mentioned at the beginning of the show, but it's patreon.com slash American awnings. And you can um, sign up to be a supporter and be able to listen to the show. People sign, we get stuff pretty much new people signing up almost every day. So yeah. it's been, um, they seem to be enjoying it. So yeah. and I've already got plans for the next season. So, Perfect. Uh, but we got to do this one first. So I know. And, and I don't care how long this one goes. Yeah. And I'm, 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 yeah, I got no, uh, I'm in no hurry. Well, so. simply because the Alton season has a, an end date it in, and so it does have an end. we'll only we have getting two podcasts and yes yes and that will be easier for both of us trust yes, me absolutely so. uh well it is now time for our ghostwriter segment so if you have a question or comment about the world of the macabre you can email us at american hauntings podcast at gmail.com this uh email comes to us from jamie it's just titled question it says good afternoon to my favorite podcaster i don't know if she's talking to me or you i'm just gonna probably you me yeah um, I was listening to the most recent episode of Re- the, the Revisiting Alton series, and you guys talked about how you think ghosts sometimes end up where they experience the happiest part of their lives. If this is the case, where would your ghosts end up? Much love from Florida, Jamie. Um, I already have answers to this. Do you want me to go mm-hmm. first? Or do sure, you have thoughts? go ahead. I've said, I've said multiple times um, I'm going to haunt Alton, um, especially probably Riverview Park, just because I just I I <laughs> love I love the park. I, I, I do. It's, it's got a lot of meaning to me. Um, I think that's where you'll be able to find me. Um, some of the happiest, saddest, most strongest emotional ties, I think, would be to that go. kind of area. Um, good or bad. And yeah, if I have, if I have a choice, if I have a choice, I probably won't be a ghost. I'll just be like, no, let me just go on to nothing or whatever happens. But if I don't, and I have to haunt someplace, I ch- I'll choose Riverview or I'll just haunt downtown Alton. Um, either could be fun. And I could also probably do both like with the way Abraham oh, sure, Lincoln's kind of all over the place. Like I can yeah, probably exactly. That's the way that. I'm looking at it. So yeah. I, yeah, I don't, um, you know, I, I, unlike you, I want to be a ghost. So I have no mm-hmm. interest in going anywhere other than just hanging around. And I really would just kind of like to cruise around. I don't, you know, to places I like and yeah. show up at different places. So who says you can't? I don't know. I got we no don't, I don't know the rules. rules. Yeah. Me either. So, yeah, I don't have a set place. Uh, I really don't. So I, uh, I just, uh, I'm just shooting for not going anywhere. That's, mm-hmm. we're, that's what I'm shooting for at the moment. So, and you, you've <laughs> said multiple times, but it's a uh, 110. That's when you're going to, yes, call that's it. what I'm shooting for. Yes. Right. So. All right. So yeah, once well, we'll, I'll do that math. And then once we know, then if you start seeing weird shit, it's probably yeah. joy. Yeah, that's true. Um, hey man, that's all I got. All right. Sounds good. So, well, the only other thing I will add that we didn't mention is uh promo code. Uh, use the, use the promo code podcast when you're shopping for books, tours, events, whatever at AmericanHauntings.net or at AmericanHauntingsClothing.com. 
you can use the code on either one of those and uh, you get 10% off. So it's, uh, it's, you know, you're, you're winning. It's a free podcast and you're getting money back. So no brainer. That's right. All right. Well, that's all I've got then. So I'll let you uh, wrap this thing up. Just don't stay, don't say stitcher. So, uh, well, okay, yes. Yeah, so yeah, this, this episode yeah. of American Hogs podcast was written by Troy Taylor and was produced and edited by me, Cody Beck. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a review on iTunes, tell your friends, neighbors, random people on the street about it, and follow us on iTunes, Spotify, other yeah. places. Tell or everyone any, you know. Yeah, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast, you can find the website at AmericanHogsPodcast.com for more info about the show, notes, photos, links, and more. And I've been adding some of Troy's uh, newer oh, the books photos. to that, too. Oh, yeah. And, and you, the photos. Oh, yeah, yeah, the photos that we have for the yeah, episodes. Yeah, yeah. so go, go to AmericanHogsPodcast.com yeah, slash episodes and click on whatever logo or, or um episode art you see and it'll take you to the page where you can listen and look at photos and stuff um you can also find us on facebook twitter instagram tiktok anywhere else that you waste hours every day when you're supposed to be working or studying we promise that we're much more entertaining thanks for listening we couldn't and definitely wouldn't do it without you so until next time goodbye so long see you later all right okay